a very um, structured way. You, you aren't just trying to jump from you know point A to point C. You're happy to go through point B and just take it step by step by step and almost intuit um, what does this actually mean on, on reflection and kind of where does this lead us to. Um, in quite a lot of the sort of conversations you've had to date, um, one of the things you're obviously diving into is the sort of different philosophical worldviews um, about the fundamental reality of everything. Um, you kind of talk about the idea that the fundamental reality could be mindless and that's kind of a very common view especially within the atheistic circles i know that i was kind of in that space for a very very long time but also the view that um mind could be fundamental to everything now i've had conversations with you know people like philip goff and kind of read quite broadly on this subject i'm, I'm not an expert though just to say that straight off the bat um, i know bits but not lots um and i kind of get the feeling that slowly but surely even non-religious philosophers are starting to try and tackle or reckon, uh, wrestle with this idea that actually mind might be more fundamental than we first thought it it was you know just looking at someone like Annika Harris you know Sam Harris's wife Sam Harris very well-known atheist Annika Harris also an atheist but she's very uh, interested in consciousness very interested in uh, panpsychism and talking to different experts around that sort of uh, kind of area and panpsychism being the sort of understanding that consciousness is fundamental to some degree um I just find it really interesting that there seems to be a slow trend towards mind being fundamental, whereas before it was mindlessness being fundamental. And obviously, Josh, you're very kind of aware of the sort of landscape, but it'd be really interesting to kind of hear your thoughts on kind of where things were, where they are, and where it looks like the conversation is slowly going. Yeah, well, it's a very complex conversation. And um, I see the complexity when I see the debates by people on different quarters of, of this conversation. And I think that every position on this landscape has some treasures of insight and we have a lot to learn together. This is kind of one of my themes, seeing how we can kind of pull the treasures out of all the different perspectives. I was even thinking again on the way up um, to this conversation, to this interview, I was just thinking again about some of the treasures in this view called uh, illusionism, uh, where elements of consciousness, certain elements of consciousness are thought not to be real or at least not real as you might sort of think that they are from first person introspection, um, but are actually illusions in a, in a, in a certain way. And I was thinking about some of the value of that view um, and even kind of working out and drawing out some of the treasures in that view for helping us to understand the nature of perception. And I, and I focus on that view because that, that's a view that I think many people initially maybe wouldn't feel like that's the most intuitive view that you know our own consciousness or certain elements of consciousness like aren't even real. It's like if anything's real, it'd be elements of consciousness. But then I, I've been seeing how there's great value in this uh, illusionist project. And I, I've been learning um, about how to kind of uncover some of those things. But as far as the kind of general trends, I think you are pointing to a trend that I, I've also seen as well, which is that many philosophers who are working into uh, working in this field, not coming in this field from a religious perspective or from a theistic perspective, often quite the opposite, um, sort of seeing theism and religion as kind of a, a part of a sort of a folk ontology or a folk sort of view of things that maybe science is overturned. But then many of these philosophers are finding through another chain of uh, analyses, thinking that mind is deeper in than they had realized. You know, you mentioned the Philip Goff and, and some of these panpsychists. Um, Galen Strawson is, is another one. But it's not just the, the panpsychists who think this um, Bernardo Kastrup is a, is a philosopher of mind who's followed the same path coming in as an atheist, naturalist. He's got, I think, two PhDs, one in philosophy, the other in computer science. 
And he's found a path through um, some empirical science together with logical analysis to a view, to a mind first view as well. In fact, I was actually wondering if I know people who are working in the field who are prominent, who have followed the path from initially thinking that uh, fundamental reality has mentality, and then through further investigation, coming to think that uh, fundamental reality doesn't have mentality. Those who are working, publishing in the philosophy of mind, and through the course of their career, moving towards more of a mind, mindless first view. And maybe there are such um, philosophers who have that journey. But my, my very strong impression from going to the conferences and talking with philosophers and just reading a lot of the works is that the trend does go in the other direction, that to their surprise, uh, if they're going to update their view or change their view, the change uh, is moving towards the mind first view of reality. And again, th this is including those who would call themselves uh, materialists, physicalists, um, atheists. You know, they're not looking for arguments for, for God. Uh, in fact, many of them would continue to call themselves um, naturalists and atheists, even while they're saying that it looks like there's some kind of fundamental mentality. Uh, I mean, David Chalmers would be an example of this, who's thinking that in some sense, mind sort of seeps to the bottom. And this does, I think, open up a big question that, well, if mind seeps to the bottom is foundational to things, then kind of what does this tell us about the nature of reality? You know, what, what are the ramifications for some of these worldview questions? Um, and, and, but I just find it so fascinating that we can study this empirically, scientifically, analytically, without coming into this field with a set of religious beliefs um, or theistic beliefs. In fact, it could be quite the opposite and we can still end up finding a pathway to a mind-first vision of reality. And, and to be honest, if I could add one more thing here about the illusionists, um, those who would kind of eliminate a certain form of consciousness or like a, a sense of what it's like to be you um, thinking or feeling that kind of intrinsic quality from a first-person perspective. Some of them would be kind of skeptical of some of the characterizations of that consciousness. And, um, and some of them have, have made the point that they actually agree with the mind first theorists, that they don't think that starting with mindless grains of reality could turn into this sort of first person subjective consciousness, um, at least characterized in a certain way. And so they actually agree with that. I mean, I, I like to kind of point to Alexander Rosenberg, not to point to a straw man uh, representing a view in the philosophy of mind. On the contrary, I really appreciate and love his work because I feel like he's uncovering what I would consider to be a insight that there's this great challenge in accounting for how thoughts can be about things if our fundamental ingredients are uh, basic, mindless bits, units of reality uncoverable in the vocabulary of, of, of physics. And so he makes this argument that there wouldn't be thoughts as we understand them in our, in our minds if fundamental reality were fundamentally mindless and, and material in the way that he thinks it is. And so then he uses this as a motivation for thinking that there are no thoughts. And I really actually appreciate that because it does seem like there is kind of a, a, a widening pathway as people go deeper into this uh, between either uh, diminishing the mentality that exists. Uh, in, in, you know, your, your theory of mentality sort of de depletes and diminishes the elements of mind. No thoughts, no intrinsic uh, phenomenal consciousness, or mind seeps all the way to the bottom. Because, I mean, you might think the middle road would be it's fundamentally mindless, but mindless stuff just turns into a conscious first-person beings, kind of strong emergentist uh, view or kind of emergence 
of mind. And we can explore that and talk about that. But my sense is that those who go deep into the field find more and more problems with that kind of emergent view. And they, they tend to kind of then split to thinking that, well, maybe mind is deeper in, or maybe mind isn't really what we thought it is. And maybe we sort of eliminate it in a certain respect. Um, and now I don't want to overstate this. There is still a very valuable research project about how if we start with mindless grains, we might be able to generate mind. Um, and we can talk about that and think about that. But from my observation, that view is kind of what leads to a certain host of problems. And even just minimally, just very easily, it's easy to kind of point to a certain kind of um, explain, explanation gap. It's not sort of clear how you can take some leaves or parts of leaves or rocks or parts of rocks or dust or carbon atoms and then roll them into subjective experiential feelings of love and a unity of, of a perspective. It's sort of not obvious how to do that. There are proposals and we can think through those proposals. I could just say that in my own experience, as I've been analyzing these different proposals, it seems like the more that I analyze these, see, sometimes when I look closer at something, the problems I thought were there kind of vanish on scrutiny. In my case, just kind of my own experience looking at these problems, they've only magnified in my own mind. And I feel like this is actually a common path for many people working in the field. Problems don't kind of go away under, under scrutiny. If anything, they loom larger. I think that sort of illustrates a bit of why there is kind of a trend towards thinking either mind is fundamental or mind is not what we thought it was, or maybe doesn't even exist. If you enjoyed this clip, then head on over to Locals to access the full conversation right now. Supporters can access the video version and everyone can access the audio only version of the conversation. I'll see you over there. Thank you.